Are you ready to get the body and health you've always wanted? It's time to do it. This is Bodies by Brent. Brent has been a personal trainer for 16 years, and now he's all yours. Interviewing the pros in health, wellness, and the fitness field. Get educated and motivated. Let's get to work. From Austin, Texas, this is Bodies by Brent. And this is your host, Brent Ruska. Welcome to episode five of Bodies by Brent podcast. I'm your host, Brent Ruska, and today I interview Brenda Gregory. She is a functional medicine nutritionist. We cover a wide variety of topics from thyroid to gut health to veganism and how stress affects immunity. So I'm very excited for this conversation, to share this conversation with you guys. Uh, there's a lot of golden nuggets in this, so you're going to want to Stay tuned through the whole episode. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to share with you your focus for the week. Your focus for the week will be a weekly coaching session for you, something for you to focus on to help continue to build better fitness, better health, and better well-being. I want you to experience a coaching session, and I want to help you reach your goals in better health. So stay tuned through the whole episode, especially towards the end. So you can get your focus for the week. All right, enjoy. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look on Monday. There's a studio uh, close to downtown. Yeah, and like uh, a recording studio. Yeah, so it might be a monthly membership. And yeah, so I could just pay, and everything's already set up: chairs, audio, lighting. I just have to plug in uh, my stuff and uh, be good to go. Cool. Because this All takes right. a little bit to. Set up and take yeah. down. Yeah. yeah it's course. cool and I love it, but if I can save a little yeah. time for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Brenda, right. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for thanks having for me. me. Yeah, tell me that story you were telling me right before we started yeah. recording. <laughs> I was so, like half listening and half like messing around with everything. <laughs> so I uh, I work with uh, integrative psychiatry, Austin, and um, work with the, the mental health there. And so every Friday we have a meeting and there's this amazing um, hypnotherapist, Kay. She's Wonderful. So she was taking us through this, um, I don't know, what, whatever it is that she does, like just little um, visualization. Yeah. And so she basically had us all kind of close our eyes and um, visualize a pool anywhere we wanted it to be. And it could be any temperature we wanted it to be. And there's like a high dive and then an easy like entrance with a railing. You could ease yourself in. And she has us kind of check everything out and then say how do you get into the pool? So we each went around and told how we get in the pool. And what I had said to her is I said, well, I'm going to go my own way. I don't want to go the high dive and I don't want to go like ease myself in like anybody else would do. I go to the center of the pool where it's still like the deep end and just kind of put my feet in. Is it the right temperature? Does it feel good? Mm. And if it does, then I'm going to go all the way in up to my shoulders and my head never goes in. So I can't touch the ground my head won't go in. And she said, after all of us had done that, you know, this is how you make decisions. And it was really interesting to think about that. I always go my own way and never do what everybody else is doing. And it's always the deep end. Like if I'm going to do something, I'm going in, but I'm also not going to go above my head. I'm not going to take on more than I, I need to or can. It also might mean that I don't commit totally also. I'm not sure. <laughs> that's that's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if I were to think about that. I'd have to contemplate that, like what way I would I would get in. I think there's a bunch of different ways. It depends how cold the pool is. So it's temperature you want it to be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably would dive in. I probably would dive. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that translate to like your life and your career? Like going in deep end, but then keeping your head above yeah. water. Yeah. Um, God, it translates to... Well, yeah, I don't know that I always keep my head above water. Somehow I manage to. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I'm always in the deep end. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I'm careful with my decisions. But once I decide like, yes, this is it, I'm going in and I'm going in, you know, at least to here. And, um, and then it's the deep end. So I want to make sure that I am immersing myself in it and that I'm like feeling it fully and being a part of it and really understanding what's happening. But also careful to make sure that you know i'm not drowning that's awesome yeah 
Well, introduce yourself to everybody, who you are, what you do. Yeah. So um, I'm Brenda Gregory. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist. Um, am I looking over there? <laughs> no, you can look at me. Okay. I'm just like checking audio, <laughs> video all at the same time. Just like so, DJing over here. <laughs> you can just look so, at me. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a functional medicine nutritionist. Um, and I do... Um, so functional medicine is kind of getting to the root cause of things. Okay. Um, so we want to understand from a very root cause perspective what's happening. So I have all sorts of clients that come in that are, um, you know, autoimmune conditions, just wanting to lose weight, um, you know, mental health, a lot of mental health now, and just really want to figure out, you know, why are they feeling the way that they're feeling? So we, we want to make sure that we get to the root of it and start to heal the root of it. So we're not just putting bandages over everything with supplements and nutrition and we're actually figuring out what's going on. That's great. And I think yeah. one of my intentions for today is to go over a couple case examples, like how you approach it, different individual cases and kind of go through them. But I wanted to start with your individual health journey, where that began, yeah. and and give you an opportunity to share that. Yeah, yeah. So um, my journey, my health journey was, it's, it's still a health journey, right? For sure. It's still a health journey. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, when I was born, I was born completely normal. Everything was fine. At about five hours old, I was um, by myself and started to turn blue and basically died. So the nurse that found me um, actually happened to live behind the house behind me as well. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, so, wow. um, but she, she found me, called Code Blue. They brought me back. I apparently had really bad pneumonia. So because of that, my mom wanted to take me home. And um, the doctor said that she could, but she had to bring me back every or uh, twice a day for, for two weeks to get penicillin injections. Oh, wow. So I had a vaginal birth which was great. I microbiome, you know, should have had what I needed, but because I had penicillin injections twice a day, it obliterated whatever was there. Then my mother couldn't breastfeed. Um, she started to, but they said her milk wasn't strong enough. So I also didn't get borrowed immunity from her because when you, the mother's breastfeeding, they are providing an immune system for the first two and a half years or so. Okay. So my immune system was down. My microbes that control the immune system um, and kind of teach it and inform it how to behave, and they teach it friend from foe, um, I basically just didn't have one. So from a very young age, I had major, major digestive issues, constipation dominant. Like it was awful, awful, awful. Lots of pain my whole life. Lots of gas. <laughs> So yeah. that's not embarrassing now because it is what it but is. That's but challenging as a young kid I mean, growing up. My whole life, my my yeah. friends knew me as the Cassie one. Oh, <laughs> oh man, sharing those with everybody now. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it was really awful and it was really embarrassing mm. um, because I, I couldn't, you know, and I was in pain all the time, all the time. So um, constipation my entire life until uh, God, it must have been about thirty. Um, a friend of mine went gluten free. And uh, she, she had told me her chiropractor told her to do it, and and I was like, oh, fuck no, <laughs> give up bread? No, that's just not happening. I'm eating healthy. I'm eating Subway. Like that's healthy, right? For sure. And at this point, are you doing functional medicine? No, no. Okay. So I'm working. Um, I thought I wanted to get a PhD in neuroscience. So I'm working in a neuroscience cool. lab. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's what I thought I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, she went gluten free, and I saw that she could make it through meetings without falling asleep and that she didn't have digestive issues. She was telling me about, you know, the things that were happening to her. She had energy and she felt really good and she was sleeping well. I thought, well, okay, I'll try it. And I mean, within just a week of gluten-free, I felt amazing. I, my pain that I'd had my whole life was gone. Um, I, my bowels were still a little bit, you know, my digestion was still a little bit off, but it was much better than it was. Uh, so I tried to pita pocket sandwich, whole wheat pita pocket sandwich at about a week after going gluten-free. Yeah. Just got <laughs> it, lit up. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it took me about a whole year of going on and off. Well, a few months off of gluten. Well, maybe it's not the gluten. And I tried again. I'm like, okay, that's the gluten. And it took me about a year to really come to terms with that I was needed to be gluten-free and later found out that I was celiac. Oh. Um, and so gluten, wheat, rye, barley, those things are just out for me. Um, 
So yeah, I tried dairy free, dairy free. I can handle dairy, so it wasn't that much of a difference for me. But um, I I tried it all and fell in love with you know the mystery of like how does this work? Who knew that certain foods could actually cause these issues I've had my entire life? And so then of course I started like messing with other people's diets, and, you know, saying oh try this, do this, do this, and then learning more and more about it and found a functional medicine. Um, a friend of mine actually was applying to the Functional Medicine University, um, University of Western States, for a master's in nutrition and functional medicine. And uh, that was it. I was like, oh, this is what I'm doing. So That's yeah. super rad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about gluten more. Because I know it can be, sometimes when I mentioned it to clients, like, hey, maybe we should try being gluten-free. I think there's there was such a craze of going gluten-free. Then that now there's such a resistance to even like going gluten-free tell me like why gluten can affect people from like celiac clearly really affects you right but then there's probably a range of how it can affect people and they don't even know it can affect people so tell me about how gluten works yeah so there's there's a lot to that um gluten in particular for celiac so gluten is so for people who don't know gluten is a part of um, a protein portion of wheat rye and barley there is gluten and corn and gluten and rice but that doesn't seem to be as problematic um, it's the gluten portion of wheat, rye, and barley that's problematic. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, so it's this protein structure that for celiac, so I'm going to explain a little bit about the small intestine. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so we have the small intestine, it has junctions, right? So um, the small intestines are supposed to open and close. That's what they're supposed to do. So if we get a parasite or a major bacterial infection, E. coli, salmonella, food poisoning, something like that, we get diarrhea. Right, So the small intestine opens, floods with water, washes out what is too large for the immune system to handle or too plentiful for the immune system to handle, and then comes back together. And that's supposed to be how it works. That's a normal process. However, for people with celiac, they have a lot of receptors for this signal. The signal is called zonulin. Hmm. So they have a lot of um, receptors for this zonulin. So gluten activates zonulin. Bacteria activate zonulin. Different microbes activate this zonulin, which is the signal to open the, sm- the small intestinal cells. Okay, So over time, if you've got a lot of this signal, so a lot of bad bacteria, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of bad microbes, a lot of gluten, if you're celiac, then you get this signal to constantly open the small intestinal cells. And when that happens, you can get food particles that escape that are not quite broken down. And in the body, the um, immune system recognizes two things, us and them, or mm. not us, mm. right? So food, anything that escapes the small intestine becomes a pathogen. It becomes a danger signal. And so we can create reactions, food reactions. So that's food sensitivities. This is how, how they start. Gluten in particular for celiacs cause that. It causes, um, when these are open all the time, it causes the junctions. It's kind of like Velcro. Okay. It causes those junctions to break down. And that causes all sorts of, of leaky, that's leaky gut essentially is what leaky gut is. So it causes all sorts of digestive issues for um, celiac. And it can for people who are gluten intolerant. So there's the non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Okay. And that's people who are gluten intolerant. So this can be happening, and a lot of times for them, when you heal the gut lining, they can have gluten again because there's not a signal. The, the bad bacteria or overgrowth of certain microbes is that signal to cause that to open, whereas with celiac, gluten is that signal. Okay. So no matter so, what, you just can never have gluten. But people who may have an intolerance can heal their gut and then potentially reintroduce it. Yeah. Is there different types of gluten or it's kind of all the same? Um, for wheat, rye, and barley, it's, it's basically all the same. So you can have sensitivities to those particular foods as well. So, um, and the other thing that causes that sensitivity and causes that gut lining to open is glyphosate, which is Roundup, major, major pesticide. It's outlawed in the, they're not using it in the EU. I think Mexico has, um, pledged to get rid of it by within a year or two. They're not going to have it anymore. Of course we don't. It's water-soluble, so instead of when something is water-soluble and you spray it on plants, it gets into the water, goes into the atmosphere, gets into the waterways, the rivers, the lakes, the oceans. It's just everywhere, and we're breathing it in. We can't escape it, um, and so that that particular compound causes a lot of gut damage and a lot of 
disruption with the microbiome as well. Would you say someone that's been exposed to Roundup will always be sensitive to gluten then? Not necessarily, necessarily. because you can heal the gut lining. So it's about lessening your exposure to Roundup. So we're all exposed all the time. We really can't help it. But if you're buying something organic, like with corn, it is GMO'd right into it. Like there's glyphosate is a piece of the corn. So if you're eating corn that's not organic, that's not or non-GMO, you still have the chance that it's sprayed. Um, but if you're eating things that are organic and um, heirloom and, and wholesome, then um, you run the risk of exposure to it and allow your gut to heal. Super interesting. How many people would you say that come to you have a gluten intolerance or some kind of sensitivity and what are ways that they can tell or does it manifest in different ways for everybody? Yeah, so it manifests in different ways. Um, I usually know if they're going to be positive for celiac because they'll have digestive issues, but they'll also have um, maybe a rash somewhere. A lot of times there's a rash that will show up. Some people don't realize that there's a type of celiac. It's a type that I have, which is called tissue transglutaminase 6, so TTG6. It's a type of celiac that affects the cerebellum of the brain. So um, when it's like hand-eye coordination, motor coordination, those things are off. If I have gluten, I am definitely walking into walls and dropping things. I mean, it's really it's really crazy. And then it causes a lot of mood issues. So for some people, um, especially little ones, children, it's um, a lot of mood disturbances, real irritable, very angry. Gluten is a huge, 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 huge cause of that. So if your kid's really acting up, something to look into is what's 100%. going on with it. 100% gluten, dairy, and sugar out of the diet. Okay. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so with gluten, if... How do you begin to identify if they have a sensitivity? Do you just do it through testing or what, what, is, what is kind of your protocol? It really depends. Um, food sensitivity testing I'll use. I don't love it because there's mixed research about which type to use and really how effective is it. Um, it the, the test that I use, I like a little bit better. It's a little more accurate. Um, but really, I just like people to start to feel their bodies. So take it out of the diet, eliminate it for at least 30 days. And then reintroduce it. Unless a client has been gluten-free, comes to me, they're celiac, or they know gluten is a problem, then everybody reintroduces it. They get to see how does their body feel with it. Maybe things they didn't realize, aches and pains, joint pain, they didn't realize that they'd had for, for years was actually a side effect of the gluten. So, Yeah. So everybody should attempt to take it out and then reintroduce it back in. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good approach because how, how else would you even know? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, so what's a good elimination diet and where do you begin with that? Do you have put everybody, I'm assuming you put everybody on an elimination diet. I do. Yeah. I do. <laughs> Which is super smart. It's like, it's the ultimate test. It, it is. Yeah. It is. And it depends on how fast they want to move. So I have some clients who, well, I'll tell you the diet. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. we, what we remove is gluten, dairy, eggs, corn, soy, um, and all refined processed foods, so crackers, candies, chips, khaki, uh, uh, cookies, snacks, those things are out. Um, and then what they focus on eating are non-glutinous grains, which are wheat, rye. I'm sorry, sorry wheat, rye. Those are glutinous grains. <laughs> Not, don't eat that. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> we won't do that. Lots of IPAs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that is definitely not in the diet. Um, but non-glutinous grains, so buckwheat, um, uh, da, 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 what am I thinking? Buckwheat. Um, Can you do quinoa? Rice. Yeah, thank you. Rice, black, brown, and red rice. Quinoa. Um, Is white rice okay or preferred? Depends on the person. So if they're coming in with blood sugar disturbances, not really. Um, and I don't recommend it all the time because it's not, it, you lose a lot of the protein and the fiber, which is the benefit of black, white, or black, red, and, and uh, brown rice. Do you have a favorite of the? Black. Yeah. yeah, I love black rice. Tell, tell me yeah. about. Tell me why. Have you had it? No, <laughs> but I'll, I'll buy it right now. <laughs> I just want you to tell me why you should buy it. And I'll go buy it. <laughs> it's called um, uh, forbidden rice okay. or black rice. So you find it both both ways. Um, I don't know. It's just really like it's a little chewier. It's nuttier. Mm. Um, it's really really good. I always recommend cooking rice grains, beans, legumes, all of those things in an instant pot. Because with the Instant Pot, um, the, those grains contain lectins, and lectins can be problematic to the gut. 
Okay. The only way to destroy lectins is to pressure cook them. So if you put them in the Instant Pot and then with bone broth, bone broth has glycine, which is really gut healing and added protein. Cool. Put that all in together. It's amazing. Okay. I'm definitely going to try that this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's then tell, tell me now about dairy, how that affects people, how it affects you. Yeah. So dairy, dairy is not a huge problem for me. Um, I was having some gut issues. Uh, so I ran a, a, a stool test um, to kind of look at the microbiome balance. And I recently taken dairy out, um, fixed my gut and reintroduced it. And it's no problem. I was getting a, a weird rash on my foot that I thought was like athlete's foot or something. I was like, Ooh, what is this? And then I thought it was sticking around too long. And I thought maybe it's eczema, something like that. Um, took dairy out it went away fixed my gut put dairy back in it's no problem now um but dairy can be really problematic for a lot of people so a lot of people think it's just lactose intolerant i get that all the time people come in they put on their intake forms i'm lactose intolerant well how do you know that well i get diarrhea when i eat dairy or i get really bloated and gassy that's actually not necessarily lactose intolerant um so casein is a protein in dairy and whey are the proteins the main proteins in dairy and they actually can cause that same little opening. And if we're having that and they sneak out, then they can cause a reaction. Um, they can also cause a reaction in the mucosal system. So a lot of people, you know, they get done eating, they're like, <clears throat> you know, and, and uh, or runny nose, they yep. notice, or itchy, watery eyes. That also can be a sign of uh, Almost a food like intolerance. Allergy yeah. type. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Actually, my dad always, when I was you know, growing up, he would always have uh, allergies like snorting and whatever. And I was like, I swear you're allergic to something. <laughs> it's like, no, he's just always taking meds for allergies. I'm like, I swear if you take stuff out and put it back in, you could probably figure out what it is. You don't need to be taking yeah. allergy medicine. There's something that's causing a very low-grade reaction. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people that come into me for, you know, they're like, oh, I've got terrible allergies, cedar fever, all these things. We start working, we fix the gut biome, and they're – they're like, oh, I haven't had any allergy issues this year. Or they're very, very, very minor. So it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Well, now I really want to go on the, the client journey of, so someone comes to you and they come to you with, could be a million different reasons, right? Yeah. Could be rash or not feeling good. Or what are some of the, what are some of the, like the top reasons people come to you and then take me through a journey of, you know, getting them back to a place of good health. Yeah, so um, a lot of the reasons are digestive issues. Those I'd say that's, I can't say that's minority or that's majority. Um, a lot of them are digestive issues. And then I also get a lot of like mental health. You know, I've I'm, I'm been on antidepressants or I'm considering antidepressants, but you know, I'm really happy one minute and then I'm just really depressed and I don't understand why or I'm so tired all the time. Those are kind of the biggest ones. Do you, this, yeah. yeah. Do you find those two are very connected absolutely yeah. yeah it's all connected okay so for me as a practitioner everything comes back to the gut biome um so we're looking at symptoms we're looking at your sleep your um bowel movements we i in my intake form i have a very in-depth questionnaire about bowel movements <laughs> yeah <laughs> you good. want to know about them yeah. right in chinese medicine because you teach you're you're combined with eastern medicine right yeah i use eastern bit. medicine philosophies i definitely philosophies, yeah. um yeah to say that i practice that is it's a very disciplined like but I use some of their philosophies and I use herbs. I love, love, love herbs Cool. Um, for, for helping heal the gut. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah. looking yeah. at bowel movements. Yeah. So intake form. <laughs> <laughs> so we look at bowel movements, um, but uh, let's see, we'll look at lifestyle stress. Stress is a really big one. So people who are living a high, high stress lifestyle, it's asking those questions of, you know, is it actually okay for you to slow down? If you're pressured at work, are those, Pressures you're putting on yourself, or are they coming from, you know, are they external pressures, internal, external? And so then we talk about those things because that also is going to affect how your whole body functions, but it's going to affect your gut health. So we have to know about those things and then find ways to kind of figure out if you can't relieve like the work stress or the home life, what are some of the things that you can do to kind of get rid of that stress? Do you find it's a people feel a bit shocked when you start asking questions like that. They've probably never been asked in the medical field. Yeah. Like, how is your stress affecting yeah. your, your your gut or your well-being or this? And they're it, like, wait a minute, I thought we were just working, working on nutrition. What's I happening here? I hear that here? all the time. So yeah. people walk into my office, the intake is about two hours. And I'd say probably 45 minutes to an hour for a lot of people is we're just talking about 
about stress and about, you know, emotional well-being and health. Um, and I do hear that all the time. Like, God, I feel like I'm in my therapist's office. Like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's so all interrelated. So very, connected. Yeah. Very, very, very. So how very. does stress affect the gut? So stress in many ways. But um, if you already got, so there's a different types of stress, right? There's external stress and then there's internal physiological stress. Okay. So if you've got a biome there where there's the, I keep saying dysbiosis, dysbiosis just means there's an proportionate number of or disproportionate number of um, potentially like pathogenic microbes. And that can be viruses, bacteria, parasites, yeast, fungus, all of these things that are overgrown and a disproportionate too low of a number of the good microbes. And I keep doing this because I think of the gut like a ball. <laughs> okay. So we just, it's just overgrown and we want to like bring that balance back. That's what we're working to do. Um, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking about that, I lost your question. <laughs> how, how does stress affect the gut? Thank you. Yes. So there's, if we've got this, this is a very stressful situation for the body, mm-hmm. right? Because there's all of these pathogenic, um, microbes and that is going to change how your immune system is affecting or is, is reacting. Yes. And so it's a constant kind of upregulation of your immune system. And that's going to affect the way that your body handles um, sugar in the blood. And it's going to affect your levels of cortisol and adrenaline, which are your stress hormones. And that, all of that kind of dysregulation, it's just it's like a chronic state because it's not really dysregulation. It's supposed to be happening. But the it's a disease state, right? It's a pathogenic state. We've got to get back to that. So when that's happening, there's um, too much cortisol being produced. And that's breaking down your muscle tissue that is actually so trying to suppress your immune system. It's turning off digestion because when you're in fight or flight, your body thinks it's running for your life for its life. So even if mentally, emotionally, I'm like I feel great, like mm-hmm. this is, you know, life is good. If you've got that internal stress going on that can put you in a state of fight or flight. And so we've got to balance that out. Now, if you add external stressors on top of that, you're just, you're putting yourself into this constant fight or flight state. So digestion is goes is going to be shit. It's so going to go down. What happens long term if you continue the internal and external stress loop? Yeah. So you get leaky gut, you get digestive issues, um, chronic fatigue. So you've got this constant pathogenic overgrowth of all these different pathogens. Um, so they can cause chronic fatigue, joint pain, um, just early aging, just feeling you know i hear that all the time from people who are 40 and up well i'm just getting older it's a part of aging right no it's not a part of aging <laughs> you know you're, you're just not taking care of yourself that that's that's what happens we in this western world we just feel like we've got to push it 100 percent to the max all the time and we stop listening to our bodies yeah. so now taking somebody through an intake process you assess gut health overall stress. Yep. Is there any other pieces you kind of pull together before you start to develop a plan? Yeah. So we'll run blood labs. I want to get a good like baseline. What does the physiology look like right now? And pretty detailed labs. Your labs yeah. are, are they different than just your general practitioner? Or? Yeah. I, they're, they're, they're more than the general practitioner. So we're looking at red and white blood cells, a full lipid panel and a metabolic panel. So those are normal things that are run. Um, I'll add things, vitamin D, homocysteine, which tells us about um, energy detoxification, methylation, heart disease risk. Um, and I'm looking at them from different ranges. That's the biggest thing. So functional medicine range is like, or I'm sorry, uh, standard range is like this wide range, right? Yeah. And um, in this range of normal people are people that are sick. Like when they created this range, there were people that weren't normal. They weren't healthy. So functional medicine was removed those people and created new normal ranges so they're optimal. We can figure out, you know, what's really going on and really dial in. Whereas if you're feeling terrible and your thyroid to me looks like dog shit, but you go into your physician and they're like, oh, no, you're fine. But why am I gaining weight? Why am I tired? Why do I feel this way? Oh, no, it's just in your head. They have the wrong ranges. Yeah. So that's why you are a very helpful person to come see. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I think everybody should have a person that helps them with their nutrition and helps them reflect on their overall stressors in their entire life. Also getting blood work that is more dialed into these yeah. these tighter parameters. Yeah. And I feel like 
medicine and health is slowly going that way. I keep running into maybe it's because just Austin people are really focused on health, but it seems like more and more people are doing these tests that are a little more dialed in. And it's it's kind of exciting to like we're kind of getting the most peak performance out of our health. We're kind of in an interesting time period. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I love when I actually love when people come in and they've done none of this work. They have no idea about any of this stuff because it's so like, oh my God, it's so eye opening and it's really exciting because it gives that empowerment. Wow, I actually can control my health. I can control my lifestyle. I can do things for my health. I just I don't have to take just a pill from a prescription. You might get a lot of supplements and pills from me, <laughs> yeah. but the goal is to get you off of those, right? Because we shouldn't need all those supplements all the time. Yeah, you're not trying to make them dependent on. on exactly. The, yeah, you're just trying to get them back up and running, and then yeah, set them we free. have to replete what's depleted. And once we do that, and you know those herbs for the microbiome and probiotics, the right kinds of probiotics. I have so many people. Oh, I've been taking probiotics for years. They don't do anything. I'm like. They're the wrong kind of probiotic, right? They're strain specific. They've got to be the right one for you. And so, and in the right dosages. So we can get that biome fixed back up. The probiotic is a very interesting thing because I, I feel like, yeah, I have a lot of clients. They're taking a probiotic. They've been taking it for years. I think you told me, maybe you told me, you're only supposed to take it until you run out and then switch or, or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then now, under, I didn't know there was specific strains. So, you could be throwing gasoline on fire, right? Yeah. If you're just picking random probiotics. Yeah, right? absolutely. And I imagine the ones that are you just buy from Costco are pretty shitty. Once <laughs> 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 it just like are at Rite Aid or CVS and you're like, oh, it says probiotic. Yeah. I imagine those aren't very good, yeah? It depends. <laughs> okay. It depends. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. those are just made of chalk. <laughs> Placebo pills. might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it really depends. So, so you need someone who knows what they're talking about. To you figure do. it out. You do. Because how else are you going to figure out? That's exactly it. I, I think one of the biggest problems is those histamines we were talking about. So I'll go into someone's lab work and see um, a, a, pro, a white blood cell called basophils that are really high. So I know that there's some histamine reaction. There's some influ- in, you know, usually chronic inflammatory response. Um, there's another marker called eosinophils. And if those are high then I know there's definitely some histamine issues. A lot of times the bloating that people have, or they think, oh, it's just genetic. Like, I, you know, I naturally don't produce enough what's called DAO to break down. Like I have a genetic mutation. That can be problematic, but really it's because the bacteria in your gut can be histamine. They can create histamines and they can utilize histamines. And so um, some of the probiotics can also produce histamines. So if you've got this gut issue... And you're taking a probiotic that's putting more, that's that throwing fuel on the fire. So you want to use something that has histamine degraders and helps to break that down while building up your good stuff. Super interesting. Yeah. Have you worked with anybody with like Crohn's or IBS? Yeah. And what is what has that experience been like? Yeah. So IB, Crohn's and ulcerative colitis are IBD, so irritable bowel disease. And then IBS, IBS, I actually had a doctor <laughs> get really upset. Um, <laughs> one of my clients went to her physician I got really upset because I had, I think I had said on my website, I didn't realize I had said this, but when I went in for IBS, I had had asthma at the same time. Um, that was the other thing. My asthma went away going gluten-free. Um, wow. Yeah. So I had had asthma at the same time and I'd asked her, you know, what, what do I do about this? And are they related? And she was like, well, I don't really know. I mean, this is early 2000s. And so she's like, I don't really know. I had done the research and pulled all the papers and knew that they were related. So... But uh, irritable bowel syndrome is something that's why the doctor got mad at me because they don't really do anything for it. They might tell you if it's constipation dominant to take a bunch of Miralax or if it's diarrhea dominant. Sometimes they'll give you different probiotics. They Some of them dabble in that or they'll give you a medication. So that's what they say they're doing about it. but They're not getting to the root of it. So irritable bowel disease is different from IBS. So IBD, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, that we have to be very careful with because it's an autoimmune condition. And so we want to make sure that we're stopping the inflammation. So um, I don't use a lot of high antioxidant kind of, that's the, the big thing. People, oh, it's got antioxidants. It's good for me. Not always. Mm. So with those people, I will use some high antioxidant just to bring the inflammation down and gently, gently, gently start with the herbs. 
because with them, it's almost always a pathogenic overgrowth of something. We don't know what, but it's of something. So we'll run the labs to figure out what that is and use the right herbs to start to rebalance their microbiome. And then also being very careful with foods. Like raw foods are not going to be good for them. The easy digestion, like, um, you know, grains are really important because they feed the good gut bugs. So grains, beans, and legumes, non-glutinous grains, of course. Um, and so we'll, we'll start with those, but cooked really well to like almost a paste. So digestion is very easy, but we're really starting to feed the good stuff too. Do you ever notice somebody with those IBS or Crohn's, or maybe it's different between the two, they can handle gluten ever, or if they heal their gut, they can add gluten in or what's what's, gluten? Yeah. So gluten can be problematic just because it's a large protein. And so if they have leaky gut and they're having an immune response to gluten, then that can be the problem. But if we pull that out of the diet and they're not celiac, then a lot of times they can handle gluten again. It may be dairy that they can never handle again, or maybe they handle everything again once we get the gut really, truly healed. It just, it's so individual. Okay. Yeah. So you don't see any, so any so 10 people with Crohn's could all have a different potential diet. Okay, so it's super individual. Yeah, I, they'll, they'll have a similar diet, but you mean before, pre, or post gut healing? <laughs> oh man, let's go for both. I'll take I'll take option both. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> so um, pre, their diets will look similar. the The ratios of the macros are going to be a little bit different, and then sometimes, not sometimes. Almost always when they come in, they know which foods are really problematic. So if they come to me and say, you know, I know that I can't have broccoli or I know that I can't have, you know, X, Y, and Z, we don't don't put those foods in. We let the gut healing start to happen a little bit and then I will ask them to reintroduce it. And more often than not, that food or at least one of those, that subset of food is going to be okay. And it may be something they haven't had in years. And that's really exciting. And that's very motivating. It's like, oh, my God, I can eat this again. This is really great. So oh, That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Post, totally different. Just depends. So yeah. once you get someone healed, it's a different journey for everybody after that. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. that's really, that's awesome to know. I, didn't, I did yeah. not know that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have people that come to you with thyroid problems? I know, yeah. I think you have. I do. Yeah, have, I have Hashimoto's. You have yeah. Hashimoto's. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that seems to be in the medical field regular Western medicine, they don't really know what to do with that other than just put you on meds. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But what have you done for yourself and what do you what do you do for people yeah. who have thyroid, you know, dysfunction but also actual and autoimmune like Hashimoto's? Yeah. So I think there I can't remember the paper. There was a couple of papers that came out and they say that they think about ninety percent of hypothyroid, so the underactive thyroid, is um, about ninety percent of those people are Hashimoto's. So Hashimoto is an autoimmune condition. And it's a condition where your immune system attacks your thyroid and begins breaking down the tissue. Tissue you never get back. So it's it's very, very damning to have and very damaging if you don't get it under control. Um, but with the, the thyroid, a lot of times doctors will try and treat the thyroid, give thyroid medication. But that's really not the issue because this is that root cause piece, right? When you think about it, what's happening to the thyroid? The immune system is tearing it down. Why is the immune system tearing it down? So rather than just giving thyroid medication, we need to address the immune system. To address the immune system, we have to address the gut because the gut is what controls the immune system or kind of tells it what to do. So, yeah. So for you, after you, when your gut is healthy, how, is, how does your thyroid function and how can you tell? You just through labs or is it also based on how you feel as well? Yeah, so... When I know my thyroid is doing better, um, I run labs. I definitely run labs. Um, and I do take a thyroid um, supplement, which is has T4. So there's T4 and T3, which are two the two different thyroid hormones. Um, just a quick T stands for tyrosine. It's a protein. Four is the number of iodine. So a lot of people don't know this. They're like, oh, my T3 or my T4 are off. Do you know what that means? Like it's important to know what you're looking at. So the T is the tyrosine. It's the protein. And four is the number of iodine molecules stuck to it. So um, when we need zinc to create that as well. So when we're low in iodine protein, generally meat protein, sorry, animal proteins. (laughs) Um, There's a whole other thing we can do for vegans. But um, 
when those are low, then you're not going to make thyroid hormone because you don't actually have the, the, the raw material to make it. Um, and then we need selenium to cleave off one of those, those molecules. So then you have T3. So T4 is abundant in the body. There's a lot of it. It's not very active. It's not active really. But then we have to convert to T3. When we convert to T3, that's what binds to a receptor, controls our metabolism, our heart rate, um, just you know our, our temperature regulation. This is all the things that thyroid does. So people are like, oh, I have cold hands and feet. That's usually a sign of low thyroid, maybe iron-related, maybe not, but it's usually th- low thyroid. People who are intolerant to heat like uh, and just a lot of anxiety and maybe they shake like this. Oh, okay. That can be um, a sign of hyperthyroid. So we're looking at these molecules, T4 and T3. What are the ratios and what are the total levels and the free fraction levels? There's all these different things that go into it. And then do you have antibodies to your thyroid? Is there an immune response to your thyroid? So those are the things that I'm looking at. Um, and then gut health. How is that playing into? How is your microbiome playing into this? Because a lot of the conversion from that T4 to T3, so that inactive to active, happens in the gut. If you have leaky gut, your thyroid is going to be not as optimal as it could be because you're just it's you're not converting. So what you're telling me is that the gut is pretty important. The gut is everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mental health, thyroid, immunity. Everything. Yeah. And I shouldn't say, I keep saying the gut because that's your like biggest microbiome. Mm-hmm. We are more microbial cells than we are human cells. Like when you're eating, you're not eating for you. You're eating for your biome. But each organ system has its own biome. There's a, oh, sorry, there's a sinus biome. There is a um, oral biome. For women, there's a vaginal biome. I mean, we have, and then we have our skin biome. Like we have all these different biomes that we need to take care of. That's wild. Yeah. It's like all these little different planets and sections. Totally. And I never thought about it like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I want to jump into the fire with you, if you're willing. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> veganism. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've had some conversations about this, but tell me about potential problems you see when people come to you and they've been vegan for a while. Yeah. And if people want to stay vegan, totally nothing wrong with it. What, yeah. how should they, you know, approach maintaining good health being yeah. vegan? I, and, and I'll say, I'll, I'll start this by saying, um, at one point I think about half of my clients were vegan. Um, it's, it's a little less now, but, um, I have many, many, many vegan clients. And the important thing that what I always ask is what is your reason for being vegan? And if it's ethical, moral, there's no more question, no more talk about it. If it's digestive, I just don't feel good when I eat it, I don't crave meat, we talk about that because there's a lot of issues with digestion that can lead your body to feel like meat is unsafe, it doesn't feel good to eat, we can work on that. But if it's an ethical, moral issue, we don't, we don't touch it. Um, so what I see, though, my, my biggest issue with vegans is the protein intake, right? So um, to get protein from whole foods and to get enough of it, you have to eat a lot of grains, beans, legumes. These are our moderate protein to sometimes low protein um, and very high carbohydrate. So to have a proper, and this is also when people want to go vegan or they've been vegan and we take away gluten, (laughs) um, the, the processed foods go away. It's not a fun diet, right? It's really difficult to do vegan properly. It's a very, very difficult diet. Your protein intake is usually not nearly high enough, so you have to put something processed in, like a protein powder or something like that. And those have their own issues, right? You got to make sure it's really clean and handled well. And it's tough finding a good protein powder. Yes, yes. Even me, I've been taking protein powders for twenty years, and I'm at the point where I'm like almost about to give up on any of them. Yeah, I rather have a little bit less protein. And just have better quality animal protein and just yeah. not worry about a number so much. Yeah, and, and I think that that's really, that's a whole food, right? That's really the way to do it. But with a vegan lifestyle, you really can't do that. Um, not to, to have, to, to be optimal. Especially you imagine really if you're also trying to potentially lose weight. To get enough protein and be in a caloric deficit would be, I imagine, rather challenging. It's, it's, yeah, it's really, really difficult. It's really difficult because you're in order to do it with whole foods because your carbohydrate level is going to be and your intake is going to be so high. 
so, so high. Yeah. And protein is really important when you're losing weight. You want to make sure that, you know, you're feeding your body what it needs um, without going going too high over the carbs. And then absorption, like the, the type of protein is really difficult with vegans. So um, meat protein is very, very absorbable. It's bioavailable. So it just means our body understands it, takes it in, uses it right away. Oftentimes, proteins in um, in plants and like vegetables, some vegetables have a decent amount of protein. It's not very bioavailable. So yes, you're getting it, but your body's not actually taking it in. Yeah, so technically it says, you know, you get hemp seeds, three tablespoons, 10 grams of protein or whatever, or it's a bunch of spinach. It says five grams every two, three cups or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're even absorbing any of that. Exactly. So maybe exactly. maybe a fraction of it or half of it, something exactly. like that. So you're almost double, tripling, quadrupling how much food you got to take in. So yep. you, don't, you don't even actually know. You don't. You don't. You really don't. And then if you have digestive issues on top of that, I mean, you really don't know what you're getting. And that's, it, it becomes really problematic. So all of those amino acids, all those proteins create their, their breakdown to amino acids, which are the building blocks of life, right? They're the building blocks for neurotransmitters for mental health. So if you're not getting enough of those things, you know, depression, anxiety, um, those things can happen. A lot of times when people go vegan, they're like, man, I feel amazing. And that's because, or they go vegetarian, I feel amazing. So then they try going vegan, chasing this high. They've stopped eating processed foods. They started recognizing what's going in their bodies. Eating vegetables. And, yeah. <laughs> eating plants. Oh, my God. Plants eating salads. Are, this yes. is incredible. And plants are so important. They should be the majority of our diet. They yeah. absolutely should be. But we, there, are, there are things that we, that we get from animal protein and animal products, and not just the protein itself. The B vitamins, B12, you, you really can't get unless you do nutritional yeast, and even then you're not getting a ton of it. Um, Nutritional yeast has its own subset of problems if you have digestive issues because your body can react to yeast. It can be problematic. Um, so and supplementation. Different types of iron, right? There, iron found in animals is different than yes, so found in plants. Iron in animals is heme iron, and then it's non-heme in plants. Heme iron, body knows it, understands it, picks it up, takes it in. Non-heme iron is um, it's not quite as bioavailable. It's often bound. So people say, oh, I eat a ton of spinach. Well, that's iron is bound to other molecules within that spinach, you're not going to absorb it. So it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I, people I've come across, and I was vegan for three years and it worked for a while. Yeah. And then I just got to the point where I just lost so much muscle and my gut was just yeah. not happy and over, over, overgrown with bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I finally just had to kind of, look deeper into why I was doing it. And so yeah. that was a, that was a interesting uh, journey for me. And it seems like most people that are vegan, I, I know it's people that goes their whole life and that and goes for individual, but it seems like four or five years in, that's when the health problems can start to show up. And, and you're right, yeah. you can be vegan. It just takes a lot of discipline and work and, and yeah. it's totally possible. But if you're going to rely on most of your food coming from processed stuff, you're eventually, I think, going to run into health problems. Absolutely. It's, it's processed is the standard American diet. Funny enough, acronyms, SAD. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> standard American diet is a SAD diet, right? Yeah. It's, it's awful. Um, and it, it's mostly processed food. We're so out of touch with food. We don't cook anymore. It's an inconvenience to cook. Is it an inconvenience to brush your teeth, to shower? Like, you do those things to take care of yourself. Why wouldn't you cook? Like, I, yeah, I think it's. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, the all the beyond meat. Oh. Now it's like <laughs> this is much healthier than eating like animal protein, and all it is is this like soy processed like fillers, <laughs> all this like crazy shit. It's like you guys are being lied to. It's like doctors being like cigarettes in the forties or exactly. whatever. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's exactly it. Oh, well, you're just smoking the wrong brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need Marlboro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has got the good stuff in it. Yeah, it's good. That's a, I mean, that's a great, great analogy. Yeah, because it's true. I actually was just looking at that that Beyond Me, um, because uh, one of my clients had come in with an intake with that, and I was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> and so I, I was like, you know, I didn't go over why this was problematic. Why just if you're gonna if you're gonna eat something that tastes and feels like it, just eat the real thing. 
Yeah. Just and eat the real thing. When I was in, one of my insights when I was vegan, when I was in India, I was looking at how a lot of the vegetarians there eat, and they have these foods and recipes that go back thousands of years yeah. that are extremely complex of all these kinds of legumes and ways of cooking it that they've developed over thousands of years to actually be able to maintain being vegetarian. And they still yes. had the milk and the dairy and some of the eggs in there. Yep. Yeah. So yep. It, it being a Westerner where we don't really have much of a, you know, we're more uh, meat focused in general, trying to just go into that and you don't have this, I don't know, cultural, you know, recipe book to pull from. Yeah. It becomes a little bit harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because then it becomes processed. It becomes fast and easy because they're not in the kitchen soaking their grains and beans. And then, you know, so I have I have some vegans who do this. I love it. And they're doing well. I absolutely love it. But they don't eat the processed foods. They stay away from those things or it's a once in a while kind of thing. We don't have that. We don't have those recipes. There's a, um, I, in it was a I'm trying to remember the book, but there was a book that I was reading. It was about Chinese medicine. <clears throat> and they talk about when you put something in like a crock pot or in a stew or a soup and let it cook for hours and hours and hours. It's like all the things that could potentially potentially be problematic in your gut fight each other out in the pot oh. and become this like nice mix of things that are no longer problematic. Like all the disharmony is gone and everything is in harmony and you can eat that and it feels good to eat. So it's, we don't do those kinds of things. We don't spend time in the kitchen. We don't spend time doing these things. No. Now, I would say most people I come across are trying to find a meal service because yeah. we're just so busy. Yeah. Right? And I was trying meal services myself for a while, picking up prepared meals, and it's just, it just isn't the same. Yeah. Like, it can work well for some people, but it, nothing beats trying to cook, even if it's just very simple. Cooking for yourself and having complete control yeah. is a much different experience at least for me on my body and my health it is for everybody it really is for everybody people don't realize it because they're just not paying attention to their bodies digestion starts with the thought of food hmm. so like so this close your eyes okay and i just want you to think about a lemon okay now picture cutting through the lemon and just cutting a little wedge out and now take that wedge and smell it and you smell the lemon, the citrus, and notice what your body is doing. Notice your stomach and your mouth. Do you notice if you have any extra kind of like saliva? I'm thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, so I could go for some just lemon. Just like, and you haven't even put that into no. your mouth. You're just, and it's not even here. You're just thinking about it. So thinking about food primes digestion. So when we're in the kitchen cooking, hearing, we you cook with your senses. So you hear the, um, you know, the chopping of the vegetables. You hear the roiling or boiling water or something frying. You smell all of those things. You see all of those things. You touch them. And as you're doing that, you're starting to produce more stomach acid to break down the protein structures. You're producing a little bit of bile to bind up those fats. You're producing more saliva to break down those carbohydrates. So your body is priming itself. And that's what cooking does. That's what meal planning recipes that's what those things do versus pulling you know picking it up from someone who's done all of that for you right and your body's just not ready for it yeah i think getting excited about cooking is a is uh something i've been trying to get into more and more and and creating that space to actually enjoying grocery shopping thinking about meals and, and prepping them for the week yeah. Right. Because when you do that, you just feel so much better. Yeah. And it really doesn't take that much time once you start to build the habit of getting, preparing, and getting it all ready for the week. Yeah. I, so I'm going to do a little plug here. Let's do it. <laughs> um, this um, a program called Healthy Cart. So Morgan Molidor, she's one of a really good friend of mine, um, but she created this program called Healthy Cart. And it uses a database of recipes. So I, I use this with a lot of my clients. And I love it because. There's a fear about cooking and there's a fear about prepping and finding recipes and knowing what's going to be good and what actually fits the macros when I give someone macros and calories. Um, so I will send that to her and she will create a menu. Basically, wow. she'll give you the recipes. 
She'll load your your cart up through Instacart or um, through whatever store is local to you. And she'll put all of the groceries for those recipes for seven days into your cart. You can change, do whatever you need to do. Then once a week you get a delivery. And you have everything that you need, all the recipes, breakfast, lunch, and dinner set out for you. So you do the cooking, but all of the planning and the overwhelming stuff is taken care of. And if you don't know how to like chop vegetables, those kinds of things, then she'll make sure that some of the vegetables are like pre-cut, you know? So there are ways that we can do this and still be in the kitchen and spend a little bit of time and get back into food and in touch with our bodies. Freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put that in the links so everybody can find that. And before we move on, because I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing nutrition-wise and training-wise. Yeah. Anything you wanted to share more about? Anything we covered or we didn't cover? Um, no, I mean, we've covered, we've covered so much. <laughs> yeah, and I, there's a lot more I want to talk about, but I want to, you know, we'll save it for another day. <laughs> but yeah, tell me a little bit about how your, you structure your fitness and training now, where you're at with your body and health, and what you're doing for nutrition. Yeah, so um, that's a that's been a journey. This past year has past two years, I guess, has really been a journey. So my whole life, I've always been really fit. I danced from three years old till I was 21. No, till I was 23. So 20 years. And then I found Muay Thai kickboxing, which I love. It's the best. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the past, you know, five, six years, I've also discovered weightlifting and, and done different things with that. So I've been fit my whole life. Um, and I don't know, it's been five, six years now, um, when I really discovered my thyroid issues, my Hashimoto's, um, I was going through a really stressful time in my life. So I was doing kickboxing at least once a day, at least once a day, hill runs on the weekends and then, um, running up to 30 miles a week. And eventually my body just said, done, you're done. And I couldn't make it through a five minute workout. Like, CrossFit style kind of, you know, work. I couldn't make it through. I couldn't make it through kickboxing without being exhausted. So that's when I went to go have my labs checked and really looked at and found out that I had Hashimoto's. So it just changed my views. It was, I was actually really depressed because I'm like, oh my God, I can't do all these things that I love. And instead of running, I had to walk and below a certain heart rate. So I was walking very, very, very slow miles. And it was boring and I hated it. It wasn't that rush of that intensity. Um, And it took some time to kind of come around, but then that's kind of when I found weightlifting and realized I loved weightlifting and my body started to change. It started to feel really good. Um, I wasn't doing high intensity. My thyroid was was doing well. It was was maintaining. I had the energy for it. um, And I actually started to lose weight, gain muscle, lean out and feel really good. Um, and then COVID hit and my business took off in a really big way, unexpected way. And, um, I had no time to do anything. So I spent a year without working out, gaining weight and really trying to learn to love my body as it was. That was a journey, a very, very, very difficult journey. Um, and also understanding what that work-life balance is about. Especially coming from someone who was fit. Yeah. Most of their life, right? Yeah. Very, very fit. What did you feel and, like you learned from that? Uh, I learned that it's okay to not be super fit. <laughs> yeah. But I just need to, I learned to listen to my body, like really without having to think about how I look. I just learned that um, I can lift weights a couple days a week and feel really good. Um, that I actually learned how much my, it's funny coming from a nutritionist, but I really learned how much my nutrition does matter. And really does play into my my body when I'm working out and when I'm not working out. Excuse me. Um, and um, yeah, so now I'm lifting a couple days a week. I might do Muay Thai like once a week. I'm trying. To, I want to go back to it. I just I haven't had time. But um, I also gained an understanding for those CEOs that I work with that are just on the go. I mean, balls to the wall, twenty four seven, and an understanding of how you have to kind of step that back and make time for yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, you fall apart and then everything else around you falls apart and it just becomes this terrible cycle. So you have to slow down 
and find those little breaks for a workout routine that's not high intensity, that's, you know, feels good and feels good to your body. And for maybe meditation, um, emotional work, whatever it is, just learning to step back a little bit. Yeah. I had a similar experience where pedal in the metal and eventually nothing's working. <laughs> and that step back teaches you so much. And when you finally do take that step back, you can start bringing in more and more. It's like healing the gut, right? Exactly. Take stuff out, get the system back up and running, and then you can slowly start pushing on that gas pedal. Yes. But understanding the gas brake, depending on what you're, what's going on in your life, right? Yep. Everything affects It's everything. the awareness, right? Because when we're going balls to the wall, there's nothing but what's in front of us. That's it. It's the goal. That's what we're going towards. But everything else, all these, you know, signs, I always, anytime I get sick, like flu or whatever it is, I immediately say, oh, I need to go to bed now. My body is telling me I've not been listening to my body to slow down. And my body is saying, you are going to slow down. I'm going to make you slow down now. And that's what I take getting sick as. Okay, sorry, body, I've not been listening. I will start listening now, but I'm in bed now. Red herbs, everything get get well quickly. But it's that time and we just don't have that awareness. So when you can drop everything, just like with the diet, just like everything, pay attention to your sleep, your mood, your everything and step back and then start to go in and move back into the old lifestyle with the awareness. You learn how much you were going too far or how, or how you, or maybe you could go even further and didn't realize it. Real quick, give me a way to practice listening to your body. Like, what is your ritual practice? What do you do to tune in and figure out how you know if you're pushing too hard? Yeah, so I use a couple of different... So I practice something called neuroemotional technique. Okay. And neuroemotional technique um, is a, a way to kind of get at the stressors. But to do that on myself, I have to use kind of self-muscle testing, and it's a little bit difficult. So what I actually have my clients do, and what I do myself, is to, um, to just sit... And, you know, people are like, oh, I can't meditate because my mind is always racing. I actually have people sit and just feel their body, notice their breath, notice what it feels like when they're, if they're sitting on a couch or they're laying down, what that actually feels like. And then letting the, um, the emotions and thoughts and everything just start to, to filter in, let it come and not try and stop it. Cause that's where we get a little bit irritated, I think, with meditation. A lot of people are like, I can't stop my mind. Don't try and stop it. But rather than like getting lost in the rabbit hole, step outside of it. Pay attention. Like watch your thoughts go by. Watch what what your mind is like repeatedly saying and just kind of learn to step out of it. And as those things filter in, feel your body. Where is it really tight? Like is your jaw really tight? Are you clenching your face, you know, or is your lower back hurting? Or are you finding that your like foot just wants to move, bounce and bounce and bounce? And then stop that. And just sit with it. And usually something will come up and pass. And so just starting to listen to your body. Notice the little things that you do, the little areas that are tight. And then what emotions or thoughts are coming with those. And that's how we kind of start to, to do that. If it's around food, notice saliva being produced. Notice stomach rumbling. When I'm working with people, my like especially when we're doing emotional work, but even when we're talking about um, when they're cooking, I love when people tell me their stomach, they feel their stomach rumbling or they feel it movement. Digestive movement is like, yes, the <laughs> right thing. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Where do we find you? How do we connect with you? How do we work with you? Yeah. So uh, Energized Wellness, E-N-E-R-G-I-Z-E-D, wellness.net is my, and .net, not .com. <laughs> .net. It's my website. Um, and then you can schedule a free 15 minute consult if you want to do that or just, um, sign up. Um, I'm in Austin, Texas, but I do online as well. Um, so all over the, the country. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's Any it. final thoughts? Um, no, this is great. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Absolutely. This was super fun. I'll have you back. We got, I have so many more questions, but we'll just keep it to here for today. That works. Yeah. yeah right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being yeah. here. All right. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Your Focus for the Week, where we pick something for you to focus on to help build momentum towards building better fitness, better health, and better well-being. 
The conversation with Brenda was extremely insightful, and I think pulling from that conversation something to really focus on this week and even the whole month is starting to think about doing an elimination diet. Now, should you do it without supervision? That is totally up to you. But I think beginnings to research elimination diets, reaching out to Brenda or someone you feel would work well with you of helping guide you through going through an elimination diet. I think we should all do this at least once in our lives to figure out what foods are working well for us and aren't and giving our gut an opportunity to reach its best health, right? So your focus for the week is research elimination diets, find someone to help you with an elimination diet and begin building the best gut health and the best immunity and the best overall health for your long-term success. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Please share this with somebody you think would benefit from this greatly. And please leave a review. And I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Bodies by Brent. Brent has been a personal trainer for 16 years. And he's going to be here to help you get the body and health you've always wanted. Thanks for checking out the show. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you have an idea or topic for the show, maybe you want to be on the show and you're interested in working with Brent, visit our Instagram at bodiesbybrentatx. See you next time on Bodies by Brent.